Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Merrill Perspectives Podcast. I'm Chris Heisey, Chief Investment Officer from Merrill and Bank of America Private Bank. On today's program, we're going to explore some of the key drivers of today's market volatility and why, in our view, it will continue for some time. I'll address some of the key questions that we've been hearing from clients and provide some thoughts you can consider to help reduce the level of risk in your portfolio and smooth the effects of volatility. Let's get started. This past week, the S&P 500 had its fifth straight weekly drop, which is the longest losing streak since June of 2011. In some of the higher growth areas of the equity markets, it started much earlier, and the decline has been much more pronounced. In fact, there have been pockets of so-called bear markets in a variety of areas within global equities, sectors, and market capitalizations rolling through since late last year. Add to this the fact that longer-dated bond yields have risen and pressured bond prices, and now the two largest asset classes have created a very challenging portfolio environment. Uncertainty is at one of the highest levels we've experienced since the beginning of the pandemic period in 2020, and perhaps in the last decade. The capital markets have been pressured by a multitude of events, including an extended crisis in Ukraine, a pivot towards sharp central bank tightening and historic balance sheet contraction plans, lockdowns in China, worries over recession in Europe and the UK, upcoming midterm elections in the US, continued supply chain disruptions, extraordinary weakness in the Japanese yen, still multi-decade highs in inflation and very high energy prices, and not to mention rising food prices as well. Now, much of this has been converging together for a good part of this year, and recently, a confluence of central bank events this past week have led to sharp volatility in both the equity and bond markets. We believe the capital markets are trying to come to grips with not only the headlines and events of each week, but a clash of competing forces, high inflation and slowing growth. Some suggest this is an environment akin to stagflation cycles of the past, To a certain extent, we agree. The individual rotation within the equity markets and the continuous adjustments in the yield curve are signaling a number of structural shifts in our opinion. Markets are attempting to price in higher short-term rates, above average inflation, slowing growth, and whether or not the economy ultimately falls into a recession, which is estimated to be about a 25% probability in 2023 and rising according to various economic and capital market gauges. Competing forces that clash tend to send mixed economic signals, create sawtooth or very choppy markets in which rallies are often sold, and weakness gathers momentum due to lack of new and positive catalysts. These types of environments tend to be the most difficult on investor psychology, given the high velocity in the markets as the more cyclical areas weaken while the defensive areas rise and the fact that economic data still shows some solid trends. Today, this is the case with jobs growth, consumer spending, corporate capital investment, durable goods purchases, and free cash flow overall in corporate America is still healthy. This is backed up by the action in the credit markets in which credit spreads have not widened out like they normally would when recession risk is rising. To put it simply, The U.S. bond and equity markets together, which have had their worst start to a year perhaps ever, are telling different stories, another sign of competing forces at work. 
Now, from our perspective, the biggest debate in the markets most recently has been more about whether the Federal Reserve should tighten short-term rates more aggressively. In other words, 75 basis point increases per meeting versus the 50 basis point increase in the next few meetings. This has dominated short-term speculators' thinking and pressured the highest-valued sections of the market. We, however, think the more important debate should be centered on four primary questions. The answers to these questions can help us better determine if economies are headed more for a hard landing or a growth recession, and does the Fed ultimately have to back off its tightening campaign earlier than expected? So let's go through the four questions. Now first, has inflation peaked already? And we will find out in the coming weeks as data is released. The bond market is doing some of the heavy lifting already here, and so are the sharp increases in mortgage rates. Also. Balance sheet contraction scheduled to start in June should bring down the money supply, helping to cool some inflation. Now, it's quite likely inflation has already peaked, but it will take considerable time to settle down closer to the Fed's average target of some 2 to 2.5%. We believe that a defined peak in inflation, even if elevated for some time, is a catalyst that could stabilize the markets and relief rallies could ensue. With investor sentiment at extraordinarily low levels across the board, an expected positive catalyst such as peak in inflation will catch the markets by surprise, in our opinion. Now, second question is this. What is the appropriate valuation for equities in this new business cycle, this new market cycle? Is it closer to long-term averages around 16 to 17 times earnings per share? We believe so. If this is the case, then we are more than likely closer to the end of this cyclical downdraft than many believe. In other words, this could be the entry point longer-term investors in the asset management community have been waiting for. We expect rebalancing by long-term investors to start around these levels. Now, there are various timeframes for cyclical equity market downdrafts to keep in mind. Most downdrafts end before the growth data heads higher. This usually is due to clues in the bond market that begin to suggest that monetary policy tightening has gone too far and growth is slowing too much. Rates are then eventually cut, but equities have already started to move higher generally. Today, with higher inflation and the Fed just beginning its tightening campaign and balance sheet contraction plans, we think a majority of the equity market has already fast-tracked the rising probability of recession given that more than 50% of the S&P 500 is down more than 20% from its 52-week high, and more than 60% are down 20% or more from their all-time high. In the NASDAQ 100, the percentages are much larger at more than 60%, and 70% of stocks are down 20% or more from their 52-week and all-time highs, respectively. The third question. How strong is the consumer and corporate sector, all things considered? The consumer still has excess savings coming out of the pandemic in aggregate. This is why the high prices of certain goods and services are still elevated. And job growth and household balance sheets are strong. Unemployment rate has held steady just above a 50-year low, and there's still a job opening to labor supply gap. Consumer confidence is at a post-pandemic low, due to high inflation, but spending is still healthy. Corporate spending is also strong, particularly in technology-driven productivity areas. 
We will watch these areas closely for any signs of change in the coming quarters. Now the final question. What is the ultimate impact of slowing growth and higher input prices on corporate profits? This helps us determine the magnitude of a slowdown and potentially a market level range where stocks can stabilize. Higher rates and input costs are expected to weigh on margins in subsequent quarters. This is known. Productivity should help some, but with margins coming off decade highs, there is still some cushion relative to last cycles similar to this in our view. Now, overall, we expect good but slowing earnings growth this year and still slightly positive earnings growth for next year at this time. In our conversation with clients in the last few months, we've been asked what's different this time? What's different with this cycle? Stepping back and taking a deeper view is important. This is an entirely new business cycle that is transitioning from a long road of secular stagnation after the global financial crisis that began around 2008. That era was dominated year in and year out by disinflation or deflationary forces, low real and low nominal economic growth, record low rates, and outperformance of long duration growth stocks for a very long time. This leadership position has changed. With higher rates and an inflationary cycle, the higher growth areas with high valuations struggling to produce the near-term profits investor wants is what we're seeing. This section of the equity market is in a major workout, while the areas of higher quality, less earnings variability, higher free cash flow, and solid dividends have taken the baton and are the new leaders. We expect this to continue through until the end of this cycle. Central banks are now collectively trying to bring inflation down and have signaled they are likely to continue this path well into 2023. On the flip side, there are signs that the economy is already slowing, another element of competing forces. In recent business cycles, the Fed hiked rates when inflation was increasing, but still well below the 2% implied target. If growth slowed too much at that point, they could just cut rates, which is what they did multiple times, before rates even got too high. So where do we stand and what is our view on how to invest through this new cycle? As we said earlier, new cycle, new positioning is needed. But first, what doesn't change is our thinking that investing is about a portfolio strategy over time, not at a point in time. In other words, Market timing has not been a successful strategy in our opinion. We want to consider using weaker periods in the markets as rebalancing opportunities in areas that overcorrect, and in some cases, when asset prices get overextended to the upside, rebalancing back to your asset allocation targets also makes sense. We believe that for this cycle, one that has stagflationary characteristics and high uncertainty, and one that has been in a long-term secular bull market since the lows of March of 2009, clients should consider this. Increasing portfolio diversification. Maintain a longer-term thinking approach. Take a total return approach and be measured regarding your high growth areas. We should look for opportunities of turning points in inflation and consider adding alternative sources of growth, yield, and real assets, including real estate and commodities. 
These areas were not the leaders of phase one of the long-term bull market cycle, so they are still under-owned and in low supply. Finally, given the slowing growth outlook, consider adding more defensive, higher-quality areas. We prefer to do this through sector exposures. We were also recently asked how we should consider positioning a portfolio that's generally fully invested. We want to consider becoming a little bit more defensive as we discussed before and consider making subtle adjustments to your mix between equities and fixed income with the backup in rates. To this point, we recently lowered our overall equity overweight by adjusting our non-US developed market view downward, namely due to Europe and small capitalization stocks as well. We increased fixed income and cash slightly to increase diversification and due to our belief that yields have become more competitive again overall. In addition, we added to our on-guard and balance theme in sectors by increasing real estate, healthcare, and utilities, and decreasing tech slightly, industrials, consumer discretionary, and communication services. We still have a small equity overweight in terms of our overall view as we work through the latter stages of this market downturn. Maintaining a preference for equities, albeit in a more defensive tone, allows for a more effective total return approach through the cycle given our medium and long-term view that the secular bull market should regather momentum once inflation peaks and equity valuation settles down closer to its long-term average. The long-term bull market optimism for us is predicated on these factors. The growth prospects of the multi-stage innovation cycle is still just beginning. Energy independence of the United States, the advancement in life sciences, the incredible technological entrepreneurship across all sectors, and the powerful wave of wealth transition expected in the coming decade or more. In the end, this leads to a resumption of a strong profit cycle once we get through this phase of competing forces. We still expect volatility to remain high in the summer months, and now yields are more attractive than at any time in the past two plus years. The two-year treasury yield is just about double that of the dividend yield of the S&P 500. And although we are still generally supportive of the profit cycle, the wild card of continued pricing power in the face of slowing growth in the short term is appearing in some corporate results. So we want to further our theme of higher quality investments, increase diversification and balance through this cycle. I'll wrap up with one final thought. During these times of extreme volatility, we are often asked whether it's appropriate to try and make full scale changes to asset allocation and move in and out of the markets. Now, if we look back, we have all experienced unprecedented periods of volatility over many decades, whether it's the hyperinflationary times of the 1970s, the 1987 market crash, the emerging market currency devaluations of the 1990s, the internet bubble, the leveraged global credit crisis of 2008 and 2009, or the European debt crisis, the downgrade of US debt, global tariff battles, and most recently, an historic healthcare pandemic and a crisis in Ukraine. Through this all and more, the S&P 500 has managed to reset and engineer a new uptrend. Economies in the capital markets that ultimately price assets have been resilient time 
and again. Here's a statistic that we often cite from B of A Global Research. Going back to the 1930s, if an investor missed the 10 best performing days of each decade through mid-April of this year, their potential return was around 49% in total. If that same investor stayed in across all days in each of those decades, the potential return was approximately 20,650%. This doesn't mean don't do anything. We focus on how to invest in the markets over time and through cycles, not trying to time the markets from episode to episode. We believe we are at the late stages of this downdraft and our view for the long-term secular bull market remains well-grounded. So in closing, during volatile periods, the best advice I can offer is to stay focused on the fundamentals like diversification and rebalancing. Stay focused on your goals and above all, invest through and over time. I hope you found these insights useful. If you work with a financial advisor, I encourage you to follow up to discuss the ideas you've heard here. And thank you all for tuning in to this edition of the Merrill Perspectives podcast. I'm Chris Heisey, Chief Investment Officer from Merrill and Bank of America Private Bank. To learn more about our latest insights on the markets, please visit ml.com. And you could sign up for Merrill Perspectives wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening. This podcast was recorded on May 9th, 2022. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Any opinions or other information correspond to the date of this recording and are subject to change. The views expressed are not necessarily those of Bank of America Private Bank or Merrill. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or any recommendation from any Bank of America Private Bank or Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner & Smith entity to the listener. Bank of America, Merrill, their affiliates and advisors do not provide legal, tax, or accounting advice. Clients should consult their legal and or tax advisors before making any financial decisions. This information should not be construed as investment advice and is subject to change. It is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended to be either a specific offer by Bank of America, Merrill, or any affiliate to sell or provide or a specific invitation for a consumer to apply for any particular retail financial product or service that may be available. The Chief Investment Office, CIO, provides thought leadership on wealth management, investment strategy in global markets, portfolio management solutions, due diligence, and solutions oversight and data analytics. CIO viewpoints are developed for Bank of America Private Bank, a division of Bank of America NA, Bank of America, and Merrill Lynch Pierce Fenner & Smith Incorporated, MLPFNS or Merrill, a registered broker-dealer, registered investment advisor, and a wholly owned subsidiary of Bank of America Corporation, B of A Corp. Asset allocation, diversification, and rebalancing do not ensure a profit or protect against loss in declining markets. Investments have varying degrees of risk. Some of the risks involved with equity securities include the possibility that the value of the stocks may fluctuate in response to events specific to the companies or markets, as well as economic, political, or social events in the U.S. or abroad. Bonds are subject to interest rate, inflation, and credit risks. Treasury bills are less volatile than longer-term fixed-income securities and are guaranteed as a timely payment of principal and interest by the U.S. government. Investments in foreign securities, including ADRs, involve special risks, including foreign currency risk, and the possibility of substantial volatility due to adverse political, economic, or other developments. These risks are magnified for investments made in emerging markets. Investments in a certain industry or sector may pose additional risk due to lack of diversification and sector concentration. 
There are special risks associated with investment in commodities, including market price fluctuations, regulatory changes, interest rate changes, credit risk, economic changes, and the impact of adverse political or financial factors. Non-financial assets, such as closely held businesses, real estate, fine art, oil, gas, and mineral properties, and timber farm and ranch land are complex in nature and involve risks including total loss of value. Special risk considerations include natural events, for example, earthquakes or fires, complex tax considerations, and lack of liquidity. Non-financial assets are not in the best interest of all investors. Always consult with your independent attorney, tax advisor, investment manager, and insurance agent for final recommendations and before changing or implementing any financial, tax, or estate planning strategy. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner & Smith, Incorporated, also referred to as MLPFNS or Merrill, makes available certain investment products, sponsored, managed, distributed, or provided by companies that are affiliates of Bank of America Corporation, B of A Corp. MLPFNS is the registered broker-dealer, registered investment advisor, member SIPC, and a wholly owned subsidiary of B of A Corp. Merrill Private Wealth Management is a division of MLPFNS that offers a broad array of personalized wealth management products and services. Both brokerage and investment advisory services, including financial planning, are offered by the private wealth advisors through MLPFNS. The nature and degree of advice and assistance provided, the fees charged, and client rights and Merrill's obligations will differ among these services. Investments involve risk, including the possible loss of principal. The banking, credit, and trust services sold by the private wealth advisors are offered by licensed banks and trust companies, including Bank of America NA, member FDIC, and other affiliated banks. Bank of America Private Bank is a division of Bank of America NA, member FDIC, and a wholly owned subsidiary of Bank of America Corporation, B of A Corp. Trust and fiduciary services are provided by wholly owned banking affiliates of B of A Corp, including Bank of America NA. Investment products are not FDIC insured, are not bank guaranteed, and may lose value. Copyright 2022 Bank of America Corporation, all rights reserved.